Do you have an employer retirement plan like a 401k, 403b, thrift savings plan, or 457? And you recently left the employer and now you're trying to figure out, do you leave the plan there or roll it over to an IRA or Roth IRA? Well, that's a big decision and there's a lot that goes into it. But I'll help you think through it and figure out how to make the right decision for you in this, the fourth episode of the Retirement Planning Education Podcast. Welcome to the Retirement Planning Education Podcast, where you can learn all about IRAs and Roth IRAs, employer retirement plans, taxes, Social Security, Medicare, Portfolio Withdrawal Strategies, Annuities, Estate Planning, and much more. And now here's your host, Andy Panko. Welcome everyone to the Retirement Planning Education Podcast. Today's topic is another good one. I'm going to be discussing the pros and cons and decision-making process around whether or not you roll over your old employer's retirement plan to a IRA or Roth IRA, or maybe even to your, your current employer's retirement plan if you're still working. So, so let's start by Today's topic is about defined contribution retirement plans. Those are things like 401ks, 403bs, 457, or if you're a federal employee, the TSP, otherwise known as the, the thrift savings plan. So these are called defined contribution because the amounts you put in are defined, such as you know $10,000 per year or 5% of your pay or something. The, the contributions are defined, but the amounts you ultimately take out are not because these plans get invested. They're going to grow or decline by whatever the investments are. And then when it comes time to take money out, you have the discretion to take it out more or less as you choose. Versus as I discussed in last week's episode in episode three about uh, traditional pension, you know, fixed payment pension, that's a defined benefit plan as as opposed to defined contribution. Because what's what's stipulated in that traditional pension is the amount you get paid is the benefit. The benefit is defined. So that was last week's episode. This week's episode, like I said, just defined contribution plans. Again, 401k, 403b, 457, uh, TSP, the Federal Thrift Savings Plan. So now when you leave an employer, and whether it's because you you voluntarily change jobs and you're still working, or you get fired or downsized, right size, laid off, whatever they choose to call it, or simply you retire, you, you leave the workforce completely, you have some options. What do you do with your, your savings plan that you have there? Many times you can leave it. You can keep it invested. You can eventually take money out, whatever. Or more commonly, you can what's called do a rollover. You you take the money from that employer plan and you roll it into either, if you continue working, to the plan of your your new, your current employer. Or if you, you left the workforce completely, uh, you don't have a new plan to roll it into, you can simply roll it into an individual account, otherwise known as an IRA, individual retirement account, or a Roth IRA. If you have Roth assets in your employer plan, you can roll those to a to a Roth IRA. Now, there are some times where after you leave an employer, they will, in effect, kick your money out of the plan. I forget the exact amounts, but I, I want to say if it's if you have under five hundred dollars in the plan, they will just cash you out at some point. You know, they send you a check. Uh, it'll likely be taxable to you, but that's that's sort of the price you pay for having such a de minimisly small plan. They, they will just they don't want to bother with record keeping on four hundred bucks. They just kick you out, give you the money back. If your plan is, I, I, again, I'm, I'm not 100% of these figures, but if it's like 500 to $1,000 left, then I don't think they just liquidate you out. Instead, they will typically, or, or always maybe, uh, open an IRA, an, you know, an individual account for you, put the money into that, then you're on your own to do with that as you please. But the end result is the same. They, they sort of boot you out of their plan. Uh, they don't want to do the record keeping, the administration. They don't want to have the expenses with you know continuing to have your few hundred bucks in the plan. 
But outside of that, generally you, you can uh, leave money behind in your old employer plan. So that begs the question, what do you do with it? Do you leave it? Do you roll it? How do you decide? There's a lot that goes into it. Generally speaking, it, it does make sense to roll it, whether it's to your new employer plan, if you continue working somewhere else, or if you, you leave the workforce, you retire. Uh, it, it, it usually does make more sense to roll it out of the employer plan into an IRA or a Roth IRA. But that's not always the case. There are definitely some instances where uh, you would be foolish to, to roll it out, at least to roll it out immediately. Down the road, maybe, but initially, no. And I'll discuss that. So I broke it down into a handful of pros and cons. And I'm going to view it from the perspective of uh, of doing the rollover, You know, the pros of rolling it over and the cons of rolling it over. Um, you can choose to view this from either direction, but whatever. I'm, I'm viewing it from the perspective of you are rolling over, what's good about it, what's bad about it. So let's start with the pros. The first pro of doing a rollover is you will have significantly more investment options when you roll it to an IRA or a Roth IRA. So for example, you, you retire, um, you don't have a new employer, therefore you don't have a new employer plan to roll it into. Your only option if you choose to roll it over is to roll it into an IRA. Now, your employer plan is going to have some limited menu of investment options. There's probably, I don't know, depending on the plan, a couple dozen different uh, funds, some, you know, some, some broad-based index fund, like maybe there's an S&P 500 fund or a bond index fund or a, you know international stock fund or whatever. Um, maybe there's some what's called target date funds, where it's sort of a set it and forget it. You, you pick an, uh, a year in which you anticipate retiring, the, then behind the scenes, they automatically rebalance your allocation to stocks and bonds uh, as time progresses and you get closer to retirement. So there's, there's often things like that. If you work for an employer that, that has publicly traded stock, then there may be the ability to buy shares of that stock within your 401k. But generally speaking, most 401ks, 403bs, whatever, are going to have some limited menu. And that's simply because there's, there's cost and expense and time. If they were to offer you carte blanche to invest in anything, it's going to be a lot of process and fees for them to accommodate that. So they give you some limited menu. And frankly, many times the choices available to you, even under a limited menu, are, are really all most people need, whether it's a target date fund or it's just you know four or five different broad index-based funds. Practically speaking, that, that's all the vast majority of people really need. Anything more than that is arguably overcomplicating it. But nonetheless, with an IRA, you can invest in anything. You're not limited to two dozen funds. You can invest in, in, in virtually any stock, bond, mutual fund, exchange-traded fund. Um, you can even get fancy if you want. You can invest in real estate. You can invest in private investments. You can invest in hedge funds. You can invest in crypto assets. Now, there's a lot more involved, and I'm not advocating doing that or don't doing that. But when, when you invest in those non-traditional, you know, non-basic financial investments like stocks, mutual funds, and bonds, you have to open what's called a self-directed IRA. There's there's a lot more hair around that. There's more things that can go wrong, more risk to consider. But nonetheless, it's an option. Uh, technically, the IRS only prohibits um, collectibles and uh, life insurance. IRAs are not allowed to hold collectibles or life insurance. Outside of that, in theory, sky's the limit for what an IRA or Roth IRA can hold. So significantly more investment options if and when you roll it over. This next one, um, next pro of doing a rollover, lower account fees. So not all the time, but but usually 401ks, 403bs, TSP, there's cost to administer this. There's people behind the scenes that do the statements, the record keeping, that uh, process distributions when, when people want money out. If you take loans against these plans, there's costs and process involved in that. 
So there's ongoing fees to administer these plans. Some of those fees, you, you may not notice it, but they can come out of your account as an explicit line item, you know, every quarter, or they're baked into the underlying uh, expenses of the funds in which you invest within your account. But nonetheless, there are fees associated with having an employer retirement plan, and, and those are passed on to you in some way, shape, or form. When you open an IRA instead, or, or you know, maintain an IRA, the vast majority of custodians, the, the big, large names everyone's heard of, there are no fees to open IRAs or Roth IRAs, nor are there fees to maintain IRAs or Roth IRAs. So that right there, you know, the ongoing administrative fees of those things are, are usually zero. Now, not to say they can't change, but as of now, it's usually zero versus in an employer plan. It's always going to be some something something higher than zero. So keep that in mind. The the other thing to keep in mind about fees is the not just the fees of the account itself, but the fees of the products in which you invest. Now, if, if you pay attention to the news, there's for the last however many years, there's been lawsuits and cases against employer retirement plans for uh, allegedly not looking out for their plan participants' best interest and, and only making available within the plan funds that have higher than average or higher than they need to be uh, expenses baked into them. So when you invest in a mutual fund or an exchange-traded fund, the fee is indirect, it's, it's indirectly built in. You don't necessarily see it. It's called an expense ratio. An expense ratio of 1% simply means every, every year, 1% uh, of that fund's account value is shaved off from you and uh, you know, given to pay the fund company that's managing it. So lots of 401ks, 403bs, uh, invest or have you invest in funds and products that have higher fees than they need to, or at least higher fees than what you'd be able to get in the outside world on your own. So, so pay attention to that as well. Um, not always, but there are many plans that, uh, you know, employer plans where you can easily get the same product, the same investments, the same exposure for much cheaper ongoing fees outside, you know, in the IRA world. There are some exceptions. One big one is the federal plan, the TSP or Thrift Savings Plan. Fantastic plan, super simple, and that it only has, I think, uh, five, maybe six funds. But it, it's, again, it's really all most people need. And, and the fees are rock bottom. I, I forget the exact amounts, but I believe it's under 0.10% ongoing expense ratio for even a little less, last time I checked, uh, if I remember correctly. So that's a fantastic plan. If you have access to a TSP, that that compared to any other employer plan, that, that's probably... Uh, I don't know this for certain, but probably the best, probably the lowest fees. Again, investment options are limited, but frankly, it's all most people really need. Now, even then, you can quite easily recreate the funds and the exposure that the TSP plan has. You can easily do that in the outside world using mutual funds or ETFs that, that invest nearly identical to what the five or six TSP investments are uh, with lower fees, actually, with on, with lower ongoing expense ratios. So for as good as the TSP is, uh, you, you can still recreate its options and, and better fees on the outside world. So that was the second pro, uh, lower account fees typically when you roll over out to an IRA. Now, if you're rolling to another employer plan, uh, obviously you have to just do a comparison. Which one has better investment options? Which one has lower fees? You know, you may want to leave the money behind in your old employer plan if your new employer plan isn't, isn't as good. So the, the third pro, and this is if you do want to work or need to work with a financial advisor, you'll have better access to, in most cases to an advisor if you do a rollover. Now, 
this isn't always the case. Some employer plans, 401ks, whatever, do give you access to in-house advisors. Now, maybe they're not great, or maybe there is some nominal fee associated with it. But nonetheless, some plans, uh, as being part of the plan and paying expenses for the plan, you get some sort of access to advisors. And, and maybe that's all you need. So maybe in that case, you want to leave the money there so you can have an advisor manage it and give you some other advice. But o- outside of that, generally speaking, uh, for better or worse, most advisors will want you to, or, or will require you, I should say, to um, let them manage your assets. Now, they they can't directly manage your assets if they stay within your employer plan. So they'll uh, almost always want or need or require you to roll the money out into an IRA or Roth IRA, where they can then directly manage it and deduct their fees. So one of the, uh, I don't call it a, a secret necessarily, but um, most advisors do not, you know, there, there's, there's often not a way for advisors to deduct fees from your 401k account. Now there are some new softwares and third party, uh, options that, that do allow advisors to get access to 401ks to deduct fees from it. But generally speaking, most advisors aren't aware of that or choose not to use it. So they'll say, no, you know, if, if we're giving you advice and not managing your assets because they're in your 401k, we can't bill you on that. So we're not, we're not going to bother. Um, you're going to have to roll your money out to an IRA where we can bill you out of that. So it sounds, sounds a little dirty, but it's, it's not, I mean, it's, it's the way the industry works. Uh, it's not necessarily good or bad, just something to be aware of. The point is if you want any access to an advisor and you're not happy with the advisors offered through your plan, if any, through your employer plan, then you, you, you probably are going to have to roll out at least some of your money. So an external advisor can oversee it and manage it and deduct their fee from that account. So that's the third pro, better access to advisors. Another pro is, is simply less clutter, right? If, if you ha- already have an IRA and you have, let's say, three different 401ks or 403bs from previous employers, that's a lot of statements. That's a lot of logins you have to worry about. It, it's just a lot of clutter. And when you turn uh, under current legislation 72 and need to start taking distributions out of your accounts, what's called RMDs or required minimum distributions, you're going to need to take an RMD from each separate employer plan you have. So if you have three or four legacy employer plans from old jobs, each one of those will require its own required minimum distribution when you're 72. And if you have an IRA or multiple IRAs, you're going to need to take an RMD from them as well. So I I think there's inherent value in simplicity and keeping things streamlined and simple. So one of the benefits is, is simply just rolling all of your old plans, all of your you know old uh, qualified retirement plans into a single IRA or single Roth IRA just to streamline this stuff. Less statements, less logins, less RMDs to have to manage. So that's the fourth pro, less clutter. Another pro, fifth pro, is more withdrawal options. When the time does come to start taking money out of this account in, in retirement or even earlier, most employer plans will limit you to the either the amounts you can take out and or the frequencies uh, in in how many withdrawals you can take. So some plans will say you can only take one withdrawal per quarter, you know, out of the 401k or absolute one extreme is you can only take one withdrawal period after you leave, which basically means you either need to roll it all over and there's your one withdrawal, or you have to take a big fat lump sum distribution, you know, taxable distribution and and, and pay tax on it. So that's not ideal, but but most funds are uh, most employer plans usually allow you some sort of multiple withdrawals per year or something like that. But there will usually be fees associated with it. Like they'll hit you with a you know $20 or potentially $50 uh, 
uh, processing fee every time you take money out of, a, of an employer plan. So that may not be ideal. Whereas if you roll the money to an IRA, for example, there's almost never uh, any sort of fees to take money out of your IRA. There's not um, restrictions usually around how many withdrawals you can take or how much. Now, if you're taking out you know, 10 cent withdrawals, you know, 20 times a week or something, the, the custodian may, may get angry and you know, kick you out. But practically, if you're only taking out handful of distributions or, you know, once a month or even multiple times a month from your IRA, there's almost certainly not going to be any restrictions around the dollar amounts you take out or, or the fees. So that's another pro, more withdrawal options if you do a rollover. And the final pro I came up with, and, and this list isn't necessarily exhaustive. This is just uh, the big ones, the obvious ones that come to mind. There may be some more nuanced specific things that come into play for you, but generally speaking, this list of pros and cons should apply to, uh, to most people. The, the last pro I identified of doing a rollover is more control, <clears throat> excuse me, more control of your tax withholdings. So when you have a 401k, for example, and you take uh, a distribution, there is a federal, there's a, a law, federal tax needs to be a minimum of 20%. Uh, even if you're in a, a much lower tax bracket or, you know, zero tax bracket, perhaps they will withhold 20% tax on your distribution. Now, that's not the end of the world. Now, even if that is too much and they end up taking out too much because they have to, again, they have to take 20% federal withholding. If you ultimately overpaid by taking out too much, you'll, you'll get the difference back when you file your tax return that year. So you're not ultimately losing the money, but uh, you are, in effect, giving a, a, a interest-free loan to the IRS or to the Treasury Department um, un until you, you file your tax return and get it back. As for the state withholdings, that that depends on which state you live in. Some states do require mandatory withholding. Some states don't. Uh, for some states that do require it, there's an affidavit you can sign to, to waive it out. But anyway, point is that there's not a lot of flexibility when you take a 401k or a 403b distribution, for example. They will withhold 20% federal tax. With an IRA, there is no such mandatory federal withholding. You can withhold no tax if you want, and then it's completely on you to make sure you you properly pay estimated taxes or uh, pay tax at the end of the year. So more control of tax withholdings. So that's the pros. That's the pros of doing a, a rollover out of your old employer plan, uh, specifically into an IRA or Roth IRA. Uh, I'll just recap these quickly. First pro, significantly more investment options. Second pro, uh, lower account fees and or investment expense fees. Third pro, better access to financial advisors. Fourth pro, less financial clutter, less logins, less statements, less RMDs to have to worry about. Uh, fifth pro, more withdrawal options. And sixth pro is more control of the tax withholdings of your distributions. Now the cons, when, when wouldn't you want to do a rollover from your old employer plan into an IRA or Roth IRA? Well, the big one is something called the rule of 55. So with, with tax deferred accounts or even Roth accounts, Generally speaking, you cannot take money out prior to the age of 59 and a half without paying a 10% early withdrawal penalty. And that's on top of any, any taxes that may be owed. The taxes you can't really get around, but this 10% penalty uh, does usually apply if you take a distribution prior to the age of 59 and a half. There are some exceptions. If you have a 457 plan, for example, um, I, I don't believe those have an age-based restriction at all. I could be wrong. Maybe some do. But uh, most, if not all, 457s will let you access the money penalty-free when you retire. So whether you retire at 40, 45, 50, 60, doesn't matter. Your money will be taxed when you take it out, but there won't be a 10% uh, uh, 
early withdrawal penalty on those. But for 401ks, 403bs, the federal thrift savings plan, and any uh, IRA, you know, traditional IRA, there will be a 10% early withdrawal penalty younger than 59 and a half. However, there's something called the rule of 55. So stick with me here. Um, if, if you work for an employer and they have, I'll use a 401k as an example, and you have a what's called separation of service from that employer in the year you turn 55 or older, you will be able to make penalty-free withdrawals from that plan from that point forward. So let's put an example to this. You work at a company, uh, you turn 55 this year, this is 2022, and you retire. You, you leave that employer this year. You have money in that employer's 401k. If you leave that 401k as it is, you are allowed to take distributions from that 401k prior to 59 and a half. So you can start today with distributions uh, if you retired. These distributions will not have the 10% early withdrawal penalty that would have otherwise been there. You still have to pay tax on it, assuming it's pre-tax money. That you can't avoid. But you can avoid the 10% early withdrawal penalty. So that's important. Um, you know, If you're 57, you're planning an early retirement, and all of your money is in your employer's 401k plan, and you retire, if you roll that over to an IRA you just lost the ability to make penalty-free withdrawals from that money. Let me say that. This is important. You're 57, for example. All your money, all your lifetime savings, all your retirement money is in that employer's 401k. You retire. If you keep that money in the 401k, you can take it out. You can distribute it to live on. You'll have to pay tax. You, you can't avoid that. But you can avoid the 10% early withdrawal penalty by leaving the money in that plan. Once you roll that money over to an IRA, you gave up. That, that rule of 55 thing. Now the money's in the IRA. If you take it out prior to age 59 and a half, there will be a 10% early withdrawal penalty, barring some other exceptions, but let's assume those don't apply for now. Um, so, so that's a big one. If you're under 59 and a half, definitely, definitely consider the rule of 55. If you're going to need access to this money prior to 59 and a half, you're going to want, almost certainly going to want to leave some, if not all of it behind at, at that, that employer's plan. One other thing to keep in mind, this, this only applies to the plan of the employer from which you leave in the year you're 55 or, or older. So let's assume at age 40, you change jobs. So you have an old 401k at that employer from when you were 40. You're now 57. You know, you, you've been at a new job for the last uh, 17 years. You're now 57. You retired today from this employer. Rule 55 only applies to distributions from that employer's plan, you know, the employer from which you left. It does not apply to the 401k from the employer you left when you were 40. Make sense? So, so keep that in mind. Rule 55 is a big one. In, in my, my view, this is um, probably the most important thing to consider and the biggest reason why you would leave money behind in a, an employer plan if you're younger than 59 and a half. If you're older than 59 and a half, this doesn't matter. Throw this, throw this con out. It, it's completely irrelevant to you. So the second con of doing a rollover, potential loss of access to what's called a stable value fund. So if you, if you have cash and you, want, you need to park cash somewhere, as we all know, you put it in a bank account and a savings account and a CD, current interest rates are, are jokingly small. You're going to get half percent, uh, maybe close to 1% if you're lucky, if you're at like a really generous credit union or something. But generally speaking, the interest is, is going to be much closer to zero than it's going to be closer to 1%. So 
Some employer plans have what's called a stable value fund or managed income portfolio. They, they, they go by different names. But the point is, it's, it's similar to a, a savings account in that you cannot lose money. Whatever dollars you put in, you will get back out at least that many dollars with some amount of interest. And the interest rates they pay on these things are, are noticeably higher than commercial bank products like normal savings account, like normal CDs. So th these rates fluctuate, but last I looked, and it depends on the plan, some are more generous than others, but a stable value fund could potentially get you in, in current environment, here we are early 2022, 2% maybe, possibly a, a little more, more likely a little less. So maybe you're getting one and a half-ish to maybe 2% guaranteed interest in the stable value fund. Um, these stable value funds, for the most part, only exist inside large institutional plans like an employer 401k or like uh, a 529 college savings plan or something, which is outside the scope of this, this episode. But point is, if you're looking for a cash management vehicle that has decent interest rates, and, and by decent, you know, that's a relative term. I mean, decent compared to what you can get in the outside world in normal bank products, um, you may want to leave some money behind in your employer plan in its stable value fund or managed income portfolio. Uh, for federal employees, the, the TSP, the Thrift Savings Plan, it's it's the G fund. Uh, the G fund is is likened to a stable value fund. You put money in, you, you can't technically lose principal. Uh, it's only going to pay you, you know, some some amount of interest. I, I don't know what the current rate is. I think it's pushing two percent, you know, high one percent currently in the G fund. But that that's functionally a, a stable value fund. So maybe you want to leave some money behind. You don't have to leave all of your account behind, but maybe some non-zero interest. So that's the second con, uh, loss of access to a stable value fund. The third con of doing a rollover is giving up the ability to delay required minimum distributions if you're still working there. So with 401ks, for example, uh, as I mentioned before, once you hit 72 under current legislation, you, you need to start taking money out of all of your tax deferred accounts. The IRS won't let you defer that tax forever. If you're still working at an employer that has a 401k, for example, and you're 72, you're 73, whatever it is, as long as you're still employed there, you do not need to take RMDs from that plan. Generally speaking, I, I guess maybe the plan could, could override that, but in the eyes of the IRS, at least, they don't require you to, to take RMDs. You can delay taking RMDs if you're still working at that employer. Now, there's some caveats to this. Uh, I, I could have this wrong, but I believe the employer needs to have more than 20 employees. And you can't own more than 5% of that employer. If you do, this, this ability to delay RMDs does not apply to you. But assume you work at a relatively large corporation, you're 74, you're still employed, you have a 401k there, you do not need to take RMDs from that plan until you eventually retire. Then, then you do. Um, and, and this doesn't apply to IRAs. So if you have a 401k, you're still working, you will still need to take RMDs from whatever IRAs you have or other employer plans. But the plan for the employer at which you're still working, that's the plan from which you can delay uh, RMDs so long as you still continue to be employed, even if it's part-time employment, I believe. So that's the third con. The fourth con uh, of, of doing a rollover is if you do have a loan outstanding, like you have a 401k that you took a loan from that you haven't yet paid back, you need to repay that loan. Uh, I, I don't know the exact timing. I don't know if it's before you can roll it over or within X amount of days of doing a rollover. But the point is, that, you know, assume 
if you have a loan outstanding for all intents and purposes, you, you can't yet roll it over. So, the, so this isn't really a con of doing a rollover. It's more so a can't uh, of, of doing a rollover. If you have a loan outstanding, that, that could prevent you from, uh, from being able to, to roll it over. And the final con, and, and this one's, I'm not a lawyer, nor do I play one on podcast. This one's kind of murky. I haven't been able to get a clear answer. The final con of doing a, a, a rollover from an employer plan to an IRA is potentially less creditor protection. Though, again, I'm, I'm not clear, so um, take this with a grain of salt. If it's a private employer plan, so so you don't work for the, the government, you don't work for a local municipality, you know, you work for a private employer, all private employment plan, 401ks, for example, are covered by really broad protective government regulations called ERISA, E-R-I-S-A, which stands for the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. I believe it was put in place in 1974. ERISA has phenomenal protections against bankruptcy and general creditors. So any money you have in a 401k is protected in bankruptcy claims against you or even general creditor claims. Like someone slips and falls and cracks their head on your sidewalk at your house, they can't come after money inside your 401k. Now, anecdotally, I heard uh, OJ Simpson um, he murdered his wife and his wife's boyfriend. Well, it depends who you ask, but let's assume he did actually murder them. His, he, his, a lot of his money was in a 401k, completely protected from the hands of his, uh, his, his victims and their families because it was under this super shielded ERISA protected 401k plan. So they couldn't come after his 401k money. That's an extreme example, but uh, just assuming that's accurate, you know, it's not just a uh, wives tale I heard. That, uh, that just goes to show the, the protection that you get under these ERISA plans. Now, when you roll money out of a 401k, for example, to an IRA, the bankruptcy, that money that rolled over maintains its unlimited bankruptcy protection. So you, so you never lose that, thankfully. What I'm not sure about is the general creditor protection. And there's a difference. So bankruptcy protection is simply you become insolvent for whatever reason. You, you owe more debt than you have in assets. You're, you're technically bankrupt. And then your uh, creditors could come after you to, you know, to, to try to get made whole. That's bankruptcy protection. General creditor protection is like I mentioned before, slip and fall accidents, punitive lawsuits, uh, other, other damages for which people try to sue you. That's, that's general creditor protection. Again, those are unlimitedly protected. Is unlimitedly even a word? I don't know. But you have unlimited protection in 401ks of bankruptcy and creditor protection. When you roll it out to an IRA, the, the bankruptcy protection ports over. The general creditor protection, I, I, I think, ports over just the same. Or if not, IRAs have their own level of uh, general creditor protection. But the, the hairy thing is, this depends state by state now. So depending which state you live in, that state's laws will dictate how much of your IRA is protected from general creditor claims. Now, th this can change any given year. Last I looked, I, I saw a chart somewhere from 2014, I think it was that some law firm put together that, that summed it up. And the vast majority of states give pretty broad and sweeping general creditor protection to IRA monies. Um, so with that said, my view, and again, I'm not a lawyer, take this with a grain of salt, I, I wouldn't let the potential reduction of legal protection stop you from doing rollovers, unless maybe you're in a highly litigious life situation or or profession maybe and you don't have proper insurance or legal protections in place then yeah th then maybe you want to consider or at least further investigate to uh, hash this out not just take it from me some some non-lawyer dude talking about this on a podcast 
um, hash this out to see what really makes sense for you. But for the vast majority of people, I wouldn't let this be a hang up to prevent you from, from doing a rollover. But nonetheless, I just I, I did want to bring it up. It is a potential con of doing a rollover is maybe you lose some uh, some possible legal protection of, of the monies that were in the plan. So that's it. That's the pros and cons. Just to wrap this up, my, my final thoughts. Uh, rolling over your plan, and I'm speaking from the perspective of someone retired, someone who's still working and going to a different employer. The analysis is simply which plan is better, which is cheaper, which has better investment options. You know, that's where you want to keep your money ideally. But assuming you're retiring, rollovers usually do make sense. Uh, the, the the few big exceptions, like I said, is rule of 55. If you're retiring and you're younger than 59 and a half, that's a clear cut case where maybe you do want to leave some or all your money behind, depending how much other money you have to live off of until you're 59 and a half. Uh, so so that, that's a biggie. The other big one is uh, if you have access to a stable value fund or a managed income portfolio or for federal employees, the G fund in the thrift savings plan, that's another potential reason why you want to leave at least some money behind. Not necessarily all of it, but uh, you know the portion you want to leave in cash, maybe you leave that behind to have in your stable value fund. And the final word of wisdom, don't do a rollover just because a financial advisor tells you to. Now, like as I mentioned, generally speaking, I, I do truly feel rollovers are the better solution. But some advisors, uh, a lot of advisors get paid, as I mentioned, purely on assets they oversee and that they're able to bill on. Vast majority of advisors cannot directly manage your 401k or 403b, which means they cannot directly bill on it, which means they're not going to take you on as a client because they frankly have no way to make money on you. So of course, they're going to say, yeah, roll it over, put it into an IRA that I manage that I can now take a fee out of. Now, not to make advisors sound nefarious, but th there is this underlying sort of conflict of interest which is on regulators' radars. Uh, they are cracking down on rollovers and making sure that when advisors recommend clients rollover, that it is in the client's best interest. If not, there, there can be um, you know, damages sought against the advisor. But not just the advisor's ability to deduct fees, but also pay attention and, and, and ask the, the prospective advisor you may be working with, what investments are you looking to put me in and why? And what are the expenses of those? So if you're working for some an advisor, or, or I'm sorry, an advisor is uh, looking to have you do a rollover, and he or she wants to put you in unnecessarily expensive mutual funds that have a one percent ongoing fee and you know three to five percent upfront commission you have to pay on top of it, absolutely no, absolutely no. Especially if you're coming from a 401k or an employer plan uh, like the TSP, where it's rock bottom fees, really good diversified investment options, no. Do not let someone convince you that you need to be in a 1% expense mutual fund that pays a commission. That's that's just, uh, no, <laughs> definitely no. So have that conversation first. See what you're getting into. Um, compare and contrast the investments the advisor wants to put you into versus what you have available to you in the 401k. Now, it's not necessarily that simple because any good advisor should be there to give you advice above and beyond just overseeing investments. Um, the value in a good advisory relationship isn't just investments. Frankly, any, any monkey with a computer can do investment management well nowadays because it's become an increasingly cheap, easy, and commoditized to do investment management well, not like 20, 30 years ago. So an advisor who just focuses on investments and just tries to put you in some fancy, expensive, hard-to-understand mutual funds, you probably don't need that. 
But you're at least hopefully getting other advice, advice about social security, advice about what to do with your pension, advice about uh, health care options, tax advice, you know, ta- tax implications are everywhere. So I'm kind of off on a rant now, but look into it closely. Just because an advisor tells you to roll over, you have to peel that onion back a little bit because there could be more uh, behind the scenes with regards to why the advisor is recommending that. There, there could be a glaring conflict of interest there. So that's it. That, that's a wrap for this episode. Next week, episode five, I'll be talking about Irma. No, she's not just uh, some lady. Irma is Income Related Monthly Adjustment Amount, I-R-M-A-A. It's an acronym for income-based surcharges you you may have to pay on your Medicare Part B and Part D premiums. Many people are not aware of this, that there is effectively a means testing of premiums you have to pay for Medicare. If your income's too high, you will have to pay more. That's Irma. That's, uh, That's next week. So hope you stick around. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe to whatever plat- uh, podcast platform you, you you use, and please definitely leave a review. This will this will help this show get bumped up in uh, in the search finding, so more people can find it. And if you like what you hear in this podcast, you'll definitely like my Facebook group, Taxes and Retirement YouTube channel, Retirement Planning Demystified, and newsletter, Retirement Planning Insights. You can find links to all these in the show notes. That's it. Thank you very much. I will see you next week. The information discussed in this podcast is only general explanations and education. It is not specific tax, legal, or investment advice. Before considering acting on anything you heard here, first consult with your tax, legal, or investment advisor. Thank you.